0: All right, good to see everybody this morning. You can uh, take out your notes. We're continuing our series in the book of Acts, looking at the the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And um, I'm loving this study. We're just taking different chapters, kind of going methodically through the book of Acts and seeing uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and how it worked in the early church. And and I believe with all my heart that that same Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit that worked in the early church is still working today in the life of the church. And as we discussed, the church is so much more than just a building that we come to than these four walls. The church is you and I, individual lives who have been radically changed by the power of Christ, who have been thrust out into this world to be a witness of what Christ has done in us and that that's what makes the church so powerful and should make the church so powerful it's not about coming to a place or a building or religion it's about changed lives and when christ has touched your heart and has changed your life and has forgiven you of your sins you've got something to say don't you there's something that's always in your heart and your mind that christ has done and you want to share that with other people what the Lord has done in your heart and some of you are sitting here today and you know firsthand what Christ has done in your heart and how he's changed you and how he's delivered you from your past and and that that you know that's the only thing I can I can tell you because I wasn't uh, raised in a house that that um, we were Christians at the time we went to church but we weren't Christians we just did the religious thing some of you know what I'm talking about and you did it because it was the right thing to do, but it was just a kind of a Sunday morning thing, and then you lived what you wanted to live the rest of the week um, there wasn 't a gospel presentation there wasn 't a message in that church that I was raised that 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 you could become born again, and Jesus could change your life and and uh, you know it just you never heard that message until we started hearing that message and we met some neighbors that their lives were changed by Jesus and how Jesus healed their hearts and their marriages and it was like almost kind of strange like what really you know and you began to hear that gospel message that that Jesus came to change you and to touch your heart and to forgive you of your sins and I never heard that message and as a 16 year old teenage boy I I heard that message so powerfully spoken through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all I can tell you is Jesus came into my life, and I submitted to his lordship. And all I can tell people is, say, well, how do you know Jesus is real? I can tell you this way, because he lives in my heart. That's how I can tell you. I'm not no theologian, but I can tell you he lived in my heart, and he changed me. There was something different that happened. I was blind, and now I could see. And it wasn't religion. It was a relationship with jesus christ the son of god who actually came and wants to live in you and that's what's so great about the holy spirit is that the holy spirit when we receive christ as our lord and savior and we bow to his lordship the bible tells us that god now seals us with the holy spirit and that the holy spirit is a person and wants to live in your life and flow through your life and give you giftings in your life and help you to pray and be a powerful witness in this world let me just say this without the holy spirit the early church could not have operated and I, and I heard a, a pastor speak not too long ago, and it just convicted my heart. There was a book that I read over when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and it just convicted my heart. And one of the things this pastor said is that, you know what, you can build a church just on talent. You can. You can build a church on talent, get the right people, and the church could grow. But he goes, you know what, are we really depending on the work and the power of the Holy Spirit to truly transform lives? And that's my desire for our church and for your heart that the Holy Spirit would be in your life and transform your heart. So it's not just religion. You're not just going off your talent or your abilities, but we're a church that truly depends on the giftings and the power of the Holy Spirit to build his church so that we're authentic and we're doing what God has called us to do. Amen? So that's why I'm excited about these series of teachings because we want to look at what the Holy Spirit did through a group of people who otherwise couldn't have done it in their own strength, uneducated people, people who had shady backgrounds, God transformed their lives to turn their world upside right for the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ in the early church. And so that's why we're looking at it. And and one of the early marks that, that we can see in the early church that really stood the church apart from the world that they lived in is this one key characteristic, and I want to look at that today, and I want to look at one person today to see how they showed that characteristic in the Holy Spirit in their life, and, and one of the things that the early church was marked by was generosity. They gave to each other, and as, as we look through this passage in the book of Acts, as we look at this chapter in the book of Acts, I want you to notice the generosity and a heart that was changed to give unto the Lord. And so God empowered his people through the Holy Spirit to do some incredible things. And this is what I love about the family of God. He takes all kind of people. He makes them one in Christ. And we all have to come through the cross of Jesus Christ. No one is more special. No one has a special inroad with God. We all have to come through the cross. We're all in the same playing field when it comes to that no one gets a special pass no one has any privileges we all come to christ with all our stuff with all our dysfunction with all our pride with all our baggage with all our hurts with all our pains and we lay them down at the feet of christ and he's the one that changes us and makes us one in him it's not about who comes in first who is best in fact it's just the opposite i know it's fun to watch the olympics because people are trained to to get the gold, right? It's all about going for the gold. They don't spend years training to get a bronze medal. I never heard anyone say, boy, I just really want that bronze medal. I'm hoping to get fifth this year. I just want to get fifth. No, they train because they want to be the best in the world. The problem is in the word of God, it's not who's first, it's who's last. It's it's not who can be served, but it's who are those that will serve. And give, their, and give their lives for others in service to Jesus Christ. And that was a huge mark of, of the early church. And Jesus said, whoever wants to be first shall be last. And if you want to be uh, uh, the greatest, you must become a servant. And so the early church was changed by Christ on the inside. Sins were forgiven. They were given a brand new life. And the evidence of a changed life was seen in how they treated one another. Jesus even said in one of his last prayers, he he prayed that that the world would know that they are his disciples by how we love one another, by how we treat one another, by how we serve one another. One One of the marks of even secular writers and secular historians as they viewed the church, one historian made this comment by saying, see how they love one another. It's amazing. Now, that doesn't mean we're always going to get along and that we're never we're always going to see eye to eye and everything. But one of the emblems of the church is how we love each other even through our differences and how we edify one another in the body of Christ and how we serve one another. And so this was a huge emblem, a huge mark of, of the early church. And, uh, and, and, and I want to look at this one person. I want to do a character study on just one person that we see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, and there was a person who was in the early church that just lived such an exemplary life that Luke, the author of Acts, mentions his good character. So if you've got your Bibles or your notes, you want to look at the screens, let's look at Acts chapter 4, and I just want to read these two verses for you and uh, and look at this one person who just stood out in the early church because of their character and what Christ had done in their heart. Uh, Let's see what the, the passage says there. It says, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now this person, Joseph, or Barnabas, was such a unique individual that he was given the nickname Son of Encouragement. Now, how many of you ever had a nickname growing up? Now, I lived in the South for eight years, and if you were just to say the name Bubba, heads would turn. It doesn't matter where you were. You could be in the grocery store and say, Hey, Bubba! Somebody would turn around. It was like every other person was named Bubba in the South. Some of you may had nicknames grown up. Now, uh, our kids have nicknames, but I'm not going to embarrass them and tell you what their nicknames are. Uh, but let me just throw out some nicknames and see if you guys can, can guess who these people are. You ready? Okay, these are for all the old people. You ready? Because none of the young kids will get this one. Are you ready? Okay, Old Blue Eyes. Chairman of the board. Thanks, Thanks, Frank Sinatra, very good. Did any young person know that under the age of 20? Okay, I didn't think so. Okay, uh, how about this one? For all you sports fans, Big Poppy. David Ortiz, Boston fans, okay. That was for my son Wesley. Okay, for all you Boston haters who don't like Boston, okay, how about for some of you Yankee fans? we have any Yankee fans out there? Okay, we've got two. Good. Okay. Uh, Great. A-Rod. Ruth, you know all these. Ruth is like... She's a huge baseball fan. They call Ruth Speedy. That's Ruth's nickname, Speedy. Italian Stallion. Sylvester Stallone. All right. Now, if, if you were given a nickname based on your character... What would it be? Some of you may be called grumpy, maybe. Or sleepy. I don't know the, any of the other dwarfs. I can't think of any of those. Yeah, Dopey, I don't know. Okay. Now, I, I, think, I think that the hardest question probably someone could, could ask is this. If you were to be real honest, maybe with your spouse or with a friend, if you were to ask somebody, what is it about my character that needs improving? Wouldn't that be a fun question to ask? Maybe it's a good question you'd ask. What is it about my character that you see in me that could use improvement? How many of you know we could all use improvement in our characters? You, you guys know what the biggest room in the house is, right? It's the room for improvement, right? That's the biggest room. Y'all know, you knew that, right? That's the big. And some of us don't like to go to that room. That room, we shut the door, we lock it, we never want to look in there. But the biggest room in every house is the room for improvement. So yeah, you we all need areas of improvement in our life. And and I just want to look at at, at the person of Joseph or Barnabas and, and and what made him such a unique individual that 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 Luke, the, the author of Acts here, just talks about him and, and looks at him and, and and uses him as an example for us to know what God desires in the character of a believer. And I believe that that Barnabas displayed so many great characters through through the power uh, of, of the Holy Spirit. And so what did the apostles see in Joseph to give him the name Barnabas? And I want to look at this person Barnabas and why he was given this name. So let's look at a couple things and, and we're going to get these out of the scriptures because the scriptures tell us what his character was like and, and hopefully we can learn some things and, and and apply these things to our lives as God leads us through the presence of His Holy Spirit. First of all, we know that He was generous through this verse, and what the Bible tells us that He sold some land and gave the money to the apostles. His generosity must have made an example to Luke to even mention him. And and what this is is it's, it's a sign of what God was doing in the heart of of, of Barnabas. It, it wasn't something to show off to say, "Look what I'm doing." Luke mentions it. Luke said, "Hey, there's this guy." Named, named Barnabas that, that the apostles loved so much that they changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas because he was such an encouragement to us. You see, this was a sign of what God was doing in the heart of, of Barnabas. You, you, you can't have the Spirit of God within you and not give. Let, let me just stress this. I know some of you are saying, Ethel, hold on to your purse because pastors is going to start talking about money, okay? Hold on to your wallets. Let me just say this. I will never be embarrassed to say this as the pastor of this church. If Christ lives in your heart, we have to be givers because God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus gave everything. Jesus gave his life. And when you look through the book of Acts and you look at the early church, they gave, even some churches, the Macedonian churches, gave out of their poverty to give to the need of the churches in, in Jerusalem. And and we're gonna talk about this this later in another series in an, another message within this series. But but one of the things that Paul said was, he said, Listen, this church, this this church and, and the church in Macedonia, they didn't have anything, but they gave out of their severe poverty and out of their own need to help another church of people they don't even know but they gave because they said we have to give and in fact paul says they gave out of grace it was grace giving it wasn't which means this it wasn't out of compulsion it wasn't out of guilt it wasn't out of oh i gotta do this in fact the bible says that god loves a cheerful giver which means this It actually means, the word there in the Greek actually means hilarious giver. Like, God, I just want to give to you, not because I have to, because I want to give to you, not out of compulsion. God says, I don't want your money if you're going to give out of compulsion. I don't want your money if you're going to give out of guilt because it's not out of the right motive, it's not out of the right heart. And what we see here in Barnabas is that he gave out of generosity, out of God's grace of what God did in his heart. So one of the marks of a believer in the Holy Spirit is in your life is, am I giving? And I'm not just talking about your, your finances. I'm talking about your life. Are you giving your life to what the Lord desires you to do? Are you serving other people? Are you using the gifts that God has given you to, to help other people? And some of you may be here and say, well, well, well you know, I don't know where to be used in, in the family of God. We can help. We can help you find a place in our church. Let let me just say this. Let me brag on my parents a little bit. My dad is 69 years old. He worked all week at VBS with the recreation. So don't tell me that you can't use your gifts for the Lord. My mom was with all the fifth and sixth grade girls, helping them all week. They're seniors, all right? They should be in a rocking chair playing shuffleboard somewhere. They were here all week, with the kids now i don't know if they're going to come to church day because they're probably exhausted and i think they're in the hospital now no there was it's was a good week so listen they want to do it because that's what the lord's compelled us to do we should want to be able to give and to be used by the lord so are you a giver are you a giver we need to be givers. So just check your heart and say, God, am I giving to you? Am I, am I giving you with my finances? Am I giving you with my life? Am I serving those other, other people? How generous am I? God wants you to be overboard in your generosity, hilarious in your generosity, not calculating. You know, sometimes we get on the tithe, oh, the 10%, we're supposed to give 10% to the Lord, which is an Old Testament principle, which I believe are just training wheels. And we're looking at our paycheck and we're going, okay, did did, did I give exactly 10%? You know, God's saying, listen, that's a great place to start. What I tell everybody, if you want to start with 10%, that's great. But you know what God tells us to do? He says to give everything. Are you giving me my whole heart? Are you giving me everything? Are you giving me the first of your day? Are you giving me the first of your week? Am I number one in your life? Am I number one of your checkbook? Am I number one of your bank account? That's what God really cares about. Am I first in your life? Or am I just some second or third or fourth thought down the line? Well, God, I'll just give you this. God wants to be number one in your life. And if God is number one in your life, then you're going to be a giver because you're going to want to please him. Not to gain his his love or his acceptance, like that's going to give you some brownie points in heaven. Listen, God loves you. His love for you is unconditional. He doesn't love you because you gave more in the plate this week. If you're trying to gain God's acceptance through that, you're going to live a miserable, miserable Christian. You're going to have a miserable Christian walk. God wants you to give because of his grace inside of your heart. And there was something inside of Barnabas that just had a grace inside of his heart that he just gave out of generosity. He gave he gave because he wanted to give because of what Christ did in his heart. So he was he was generous. The second thing we can see through the scriptures is that he was a servant. I like this verse in Acts 9.27, and it says Barnabas here was kind of an advocate for the Apostle Paul. Remember, the Apostle Paul was killing Christians before his conversion. He wasn't the most popular person among the apostles before his conversion they knew who paul was in fact paul gave approval to the stoning of one of the uh, first martyrs of the church stephen he was there he was given approval so he wasn't probably the most liked person amongst christians and all of a sudden the apostle paul has this conversion and they got to try to convince the other apostles that this isn't some covert operation of paul trying to weasel into the church to kill more people Okay, so here's Barnabas. It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of who? So he's standing up for him. So so he was a servant. He risked his reputation to stand on Paul's defense to tell the other apostles, this guy is legit he convinced the other apostles that paul was the real deal and and that that his life was truly changed and that that he he stopped he's he stopped this pursuit of trying to kill christians and actually is on our side he's got our jersey on he's preaching about jesus now i can defend him i'm going to stand with him He did what was ever needed to be done. He taught, he traveled, he shared the message of Christ. Barnabas stood on his behalf. He was a servant. He humbled himself in that situation. He didn't worry about what the other apostles were going to think. He didn't say, you know what, this Paul character is kind of shady. I'm going to kind of distance myself from this guy because I don't want to make myself look bad in front of the other apostles. He didn't care. He stood up for him and he says, I can vouch for this guy. I'm going to be a servant here. And I'm going to put my reputation aside for the sake of someone else to let you know that Paul is the real deal, that Paul loves Jesus, that he indeed was converted and that he is preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. He was a servant. Acts 11, we can see that that Barnabas was also an edifier. He he edified people. And and this characteristic is so important. And I I want you to see what, what happened here. Not only did he... did did he stand and serve and, and stand on the side of Paul, but also on the side of Gentiles. If you remember, when the church came together, you had mostly Jewish believers that were saved at the very beginning through the message of Christ. But now this message is starting to spill out to towns around them and other countries. And now the Gentiles are coming into the fold and you've got some issues there and you've got to blend these two different groups together who once hated each other and now are coming together in the name of Jesus and and the apostles are recognizing that the word that was preached to the Jews The Gentiles are receiving it and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even Peter said, what keeps us from from having them be baptized? They're part of the church too because we know what the prophecy of Joel said, that, that Joel prophesied that God's Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. So now you've got the blending of the church. And here, listen, here Barnabas, who was a Levite, who was of Jewish descent, is the one who is standing up for the gentiles now. He's saying, "Listen. God is doing a great work in their heart too." And and listen to what the the passage says here in Acts 11. It said, "And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord." And the re- this report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And then they sent Barnabas to Antioch, who he came and saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful to all the Lord. With, with his steadfast purpose. This characteristic is so important because I want you to notice what the passage says here. It said that Barnabas was filled with joy at what the Lord was doing with the Gentiles. He wasn't jealous. He didn't say, hey, these people aren't Jews. They're not one of us. This message isn't for 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 them. He said, wait a minute. They're receiving Christ. We need to receive this with great joy and so barnabas didn't come against them he actually received them and he rejoiced and not only did he rejoice but he encouraged them to remain faithful to the lord and so here's the important thing this was an important characteristic because it wasn't that barnabas was just out for himself he loved all people he encouraged all those that came to Christ. He was part of the group that, that was saying, hey, let's rejoice over this. Let's be glad over this. Now, you know, let, let me just be honest with you. The church today sometimes has a bad reputation of saying us for and no more. That, that, that sometimes when other people from other cultures or backgrounds, maybe they don't look or dress or, 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 or are exactly like us, they come into our fold and we're a little bit passe about it we reject them a little bit that shouldn't be within the family of god anyone who comes to christ in the name of the lord we need to have open arms say welcome to the family of god jesus loves everyone jesus died for every soul and so barnabas was one of those that said to the church hey let, let me just let's be excited about who's coming into the body of Christ. One of the one of the great church movements of our latest times was the Calvary Cha- Chapel movement with Chuck Smith out in Costa Mesa, California. And some of you may have heard about this. Back in the 60s and 70s, all these hippies were getting saved. Andy Imes was one. Or, uh, Andy Imes was one of them too. Andy Sprague was one of them too, and uh, and, uh, and and they were getting saved. And a lot of the church, they didn't know where to go because they'd walk in with their long hair and, 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 and bare feet, and some of the church kind of poo-pooed them a little bit. And what happened in this great movement, the Calvary Chapel movement out in California, is they accepted them. They said, come into our churches. And, and much of the great worship songs we sing today are a result of that movement in the 60s and the 70s because many of these hippies got saved and some of these guys that you listen to on the radio today were all these ex-hippies that got saved under chuck smith's ministry out in costa mesa california because there was a church that said hey we love you come on in come with your bare feet come with your long hair if you Many of them used, wouldn't even sit in the pews. they just sit on the floors. and That's okay. Come on in. We, we love you. And a lot of these guys and women got saved, and now they're pastoring today because there was a church that encouraged them and edified them and loved on them and shared the love of Christ with them and said, you are welcome here. Amen. 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 Praise God for that. And so you've seen a big, huge movement uh, because of the Hosanna music. You guys are familiar with the Hosanna music. That was all started from that great movement. The, the, just the contemporary music and worship started from that great, uh, great movement. I like this one. I just love this last characteristic that we see in the Word of God that the Bible says about Barnabas. It said that he was good. Now, th- this, is, this is good. I love what the scriptures say about this, because if there's going to be a characteristic about us that we want people to notice, it would be this. Listen to how Luke describes this. Uh, Acts eleven twenty four. 24, it says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Now, if I want, this is how I want my obituary to be read this is what I want to be said at my funeral. How about you? Wouldn't you love for this to be read? He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. That's a pretty perfect description right there. That was Barnabas. This is probably my favorite characteristic of Barnabas. He was known as a good man. He was a man of an integrity he was he was full of the holy spirit he was strong in faith and he brought many people to the lord and the reason why is he had this gift of encouragement within him he was the type of person you just wanted to hang out with you ever just meet someone and they're just an encourager and you just like hanging around with them because after you get done with the conversation with them, you just feel better about yourself. You feel like the Lord has encouraged you. You, felt like, you just felt like God is, is just doing a work in your heart and you were just glad to see them. And this isn't flattery. This was actually encouragement that someone spoke into your life and, and, and just encouraged you in the Lord. We need people like that. All of us need to be like that. Shouldn't we? Be that way? Be encouragers? I mean, to, to me, we, we can gripe and complain about everything, can't we? There, we? There's just, you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, right? And, and, and sometimes we just see that, that glass half empty all the time, don't we? We just see it half empty. that glass. No, it's half full. No, it's half empty. No, it's half, it's half empty. It's the way I see it. Well, hallelujah to you. You know, you just meet those downer people, the joy suckers that just suck the joy out of every situation. You can be glad about something, they'll look at it, but you know what? That's not the way I see it. You know, I don't know. That's just, it's not going to work out. I just know it's not going to work out. Thank you for just dumping water all over everything. You know what I'm saying? Listen. Barnabas was an encourager. That's why the apostles loved him so much. He was an edifier. He was a, a good man that led many people to the Lord. He probably had the right word in right situations. And, and I, I'm going to tell you why we need to be encouragers, why we need to encourage each other daily. Listen, if, if you watch five minutes of the news, you feel like killing yourself, right? You can just see all the things. And that doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to what's going on in the world or we live above all this stuff and we live in our own cloud and we're not, a, we're not affected by the drama and the heartache that goes around us. But here's the good news. God has placed us here for a reason. God wants to use us. I mean, if you actually read the Bible and read through the New Testament, was Paul's life or any of the apostles' life a cakewalk? But did they have a joy... Did Paul and Silas have a joy when they were in, imprisoned? Were they singing praises unto the Lord even in their prison cell? Yeah, because they were doing it for the Lord. And by singing praises unto the Lord, they were encouraging each other. Instead of just looking at each other and saying, man, this is the worst and let's just cry on each other's shoulders. They were like, hey, let's just sing praises unto the Lord. And there were other prisoners around them that were probably saying, these guys are absolutely Bonkers! They are off their rock. They're singing praises and they're in a jail cell. You know why they had joy? Because they were in there for Christ. They were doing what the Lord called them to do. And when you do what the Lord has called you to do, there's a joy that comes with it, even in the midst of difficult circumstances and stressful circumstances. People, we need people that surround us, that encourage us, that build us up in the Lord. They say, you know what? Yeah, this is a tough situation, but you know what? Christ is with us, and he's never going to leave us or forsake us. And his love is never, we're never going to be separated from his love. So we're going to make it through this thing. Amen? God is going to give us the strength to get through this thing. So we need to learn to encourage each other. Um, Barnabas had this, this gift of encouragement. It's actually a spiritual gift that God gives us through the through the Holy Spirit. I, I like what Paul says here. He says, listen, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Duh. All right. He says, if it's giving, give generously. And there's some of you that are just good givers. I love you. Did you hear me? I love you, good Givers. Give generously. You know, when when there's a need, that person is right there. You know, when there's a need, if I mention need in the church, there's some of you that are just, you're you're the first one knocking on my door. Pastor, how can I give to this situation? Because I just, I want to give to it. I want to help. You're just good, good givers. If God has given you leadership ability, then take responsibility seriously. If you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Basically, Paul's just saying, do it. If you've got that gift, don't don't keep it to yourself. Use it to edify the body. Not exalt yourself, but edify the body of Christ so that the body of Christ is encouraged. Amen? Okay. I'm just starting to get excited, okay? So just winding up here, okay? The word there, to to encourage, literally means to be called to one side. So what, what Barnabas did there, he was literally called to the sides of others to exhort to urge to encourage to to comfort and and i believe this this gift is so crucial to the church for this reason jesus uses the same word encourager same word to describe the ministry of the holy spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to aid us and, and help us and literally come to our side. He, he is always there to comfort us and encourage us. He stirs us to growth in Christ. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you feel all alone, all of a sudden you, you don't feel alone. That's the presence always of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said will be with you always. It's that presence and power of, of the Holy Spirit that when you feel alone, you're actually not alone. That when you're in dire straits or you're in a difficult situation, all of a sudden you have this strength that you never thought you could have before. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life encouraging you. The the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Bible even says, can pray through you with groans and utterings that can't even be expressed. He's interceding through you. You can't pray, but he's praying through you. He's encouraging you not to give up. That's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses the same word to describe the ministry of encouragement that the Holy Spirit gives to us. So why is the gift of encouragement so important in the church today? Why was the gift of encouragement so important in the early church? And why must we model this and and just embrace this gift today? Because here's the main reason. It keeps us from becoming discouraged. And one of the things that just grips my heart and bothers me the most is when there's somebody in the family of God that gets discouraged and then leaves the fold. That if there's anything that just bothers me more is that because I know either we missed it or there's something we could do to encourage that person not to give up. And that's why we need each other. Because think about it: the moment you get outside of the fold and into the world, and there's not there's not that other believer to encourage you in the Lord. It's so easy just to get discouraged and to give up. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. But when we come into the family of God and we've got other believers that will encourage us in our walk, there's somebody we can call. There's somebody that's going to pray for us. That's why I tell you, listen, get involved in a small group. You know, where there's other people that you know and you can meet and that that you know are, are going to pray for you that's why i just I, I talk about this all the time but i love our our little men's six thirty bible study on thursday morning that's besides prayer on tuesday night that's probably the funnest thing that we do because you just feel encouraged and i i just you know i know i pick on ruth all the time but but tuesday night ruth just prayed this prayer over me that was just unbelievable i don't even remember, ruth you even remember but her prayer was like lord give pastor discernment as he preaches. Lord, help him as he studies. Give him a hunger. I mean, the prayer was just... I was like just doodads all at my arms, and I knew it was God when my big toes started to curl up. I was like, wow, this is of God. And it just... You know, I don't mean to lift up Ruth, but it just encouraged me. That prayer encouraged me. It was exhortation through the Holy Spirit that was prayed over me in a small group that encouraged me. People... When you get into a small group and you've got others that are around you, when you share your need and there's others that are going to care for you, it encourages you in your walk. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to walk outside the fold, to wallow in your own mire and your own discouragement and not step forward and say, man, I've got some needs here and I need someone to pray for me. I need someone to encourage me. We're, 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 we're told to do this and Paul says this to the Thessalonians he said therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing continue to do this continue to build one another up and the word encourage there literally means to build or to edify and so it's 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 so easy in our world today to feel like a failure and you're not making a difference and then And then someone comes alongside you and encourages you. And and just like I said, this is the difference between flattery and edification. Because some of you are so worried. Like, well, you know, if I say something to somebody, is that just going to puff up pride in their life? And I don't, you know, God's ministry to me is to be a pride buster. That's my ministry. I just want to make sure everybody keeps humble around here. So I'm the pride buster around here. People are getting too full of themselves. I'm going to come in. I got, the, I got my spiritual needle and I'm going to pop that balloon. Okay? Can I just say something to you? For those of you that think that's your ministry, pfft, no, I'm just here. Here's the thing. Can I just say something to you that if you think that's your ministry, that's the Holy Spirit's ministry. Let the Holy Spirit do it because the Holy Spirit does a much better job at it anyways. How do you know what I'm talking about? There's so many times I'm humbled and I'm like, oh, yikes, thank you. And he usually do, it does it through kids anyway, so it just happens. And so the Lord's going to humble you, right? And he does it in different ways, and, and he does a much better job than you'll ever do at it. So, so here's the difference between flattery and edification. Flattery is used to get something in return to benefit yourself, right? The only reason you're flattering somebody is because you want something from them. True edification is honoring someone at the expense of oneself. And we need to do that in this church. We need to continue to do that in this church. That even though it may not be your ministry, even though you may not be getting the accolades, we need to lift one another up at the expense of ourselves. That's why I hate the word departments in church. We got the children's department. You got the youth department. You know what I say to that? I say that to depart. Because you know what it does? It automatically sets everyone else aside from one another. That this is my department. What am I going to get in my department? And this is my... No, we are a church. We are a ministry. And so we blend together under the headship of Jesus Christ. And so what are we doing to edify other ministries within the church? That's why I like when the men's ministry helps out over in the benevolence ministry. And then and, and, and the benevolence ministry helps out over in the women's ministry. And the women's ministry helps. That's what we should be doing. I want to encourage you to keep doing that as a body of Christ. Amen? The minute you feel like this is my ministry and I'm separate and what am I getting? Am I getting more? Is this, is this, is this ministry getting more than me? Because if they're getting more than me, then I need to get more. That's not a ministry. That's a department and that's from the pit of hell. I'm just going to tell you. We are a ministry. We are here for one another. And so I love when we serve each other. I love when the youth ministry serves the elderly people. I love when when each ministry says, you know, it's not about me. What can we do to encourage each other so we can build up the body of Christ? It's not about individuals. It's about Jesus and what he's done for every single one of us. Amen? Amen. I was just a pride buster right there. I just poked some, no, I'm just teasing. Listen, it's about encouraging one another. So true edification is about honoring someone at the expense of someone else. And if I don't like when someone else gets the praise for something or I find myself jealous, there's something within your heart that God needs to deal with. And some people don't like to pray to others because it's not about them. You better guard your heart on that. So it's easy to criticize, but let's make it our ambition to encourage people daily. Whether you send a letter or an email or you make a call or you send a Facebook message, I don't care what you do, do something to encourage someone. Encourage people out in the world. Tell your server at the restaurant that they're doing a good job. How many of you ever have been servers in restaurants? How many of you say it hasn't been a piece of cake a lot of times with jerky customers? Because you get a bad meal, they blame you. And then, and then, they, don't, and then they don't tip you the way they should because they take it out on the server. And those of you that ever served, I, I know, I worked at Wendy's for four years, all right? Okay? I know I, people come back, and if you put a pickle on there and they didn't ask for a pickle... You, you thought the world was going to end, you know. They're throwing pickles at you. I didn't ask for this pickle, you know. And we'll get you another one. Here's a coupon for another. You know, you, you just deal with people that are just jerks, okay? But here's the thing: when's the last time that you said something nice to a server and said, you know what? I just want to let you know you did a good job. I I, I can remember we were at McDonald's and. And we just got served well and they changed McDonald's and, and the last couple of times we were there was just really good service and they really did a good job fixing up the store and stuff. So, so I, I went up to the front and I said, I'm just going to encourage the manager. So I went up to the front, the girl working at the front, you know, she's 15 years old, she's got drool coming down her mouth and boogers coming out of her nose. Can I help you? No, I'm just teasing. Um, I said, can I talk to your manager? And she's like, uh-oh, you know, what's this guy going to, you know, we're going to be in big trouble. So I, uh, so I I said I just want to touch so the manager comes out, she you know, she's all what? And I go, I just want to tell you, man, the store looks great, my order was right, my fries were hot, the Sunday was good, you know. I just ate about fifteen thousand calories. It was good. I just I just I want to tell you that you're doing a good job. She just looked at me like like what? Really? And this is what she said. She goes, Thank you. She goes Sometimes it's real hard doing this. I said I know it's a, I worked at Wendy's. We can relate, sister. We can relate, sister. I know what it's like. I know what it's like, you know. And uh, it just you know what? Just encourage somebody. Just encourage say you're doing a good you know, you may you may never know how that makes somebody's life. And then you know what? It's especially if it's if it's a store that you frequent often and you say that, now you're building a relationship. Now you've got an open door of a great witness let me just throw this other thing out at you i know some of you can be mad at me okay this is totally from the holy spirit right now all right you better tip that's all i'm saying if you don't tip and then you leave a track i will smack you on the side of your head okay i will hurt you okay you tip well and leave a track if you don't tip Don't leave a track. Worst witness. Because the minute you walk away, they're not even going to think about the track. They're just going to think about how cheap you were and how you didn't tip well, okay? You hear me? Can I get an amen? Amen. That was free. That was totally free out there, okay? All you servers say, Thank you, pastor. All right. Okay. So let's look at the results of encouragement as we finish up here. Let's look at the results. When we encourage each other and we build each other up in the lord let's see what happens here first of all it helps us to to live in a harsh world it just helps us to live in this world when when we know that we're being encouraged in the lord and we're doing what 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 god has called us to do it helps us to live in this harsh world it it helps us not to give up during times of discouragement because you see the body of christ coming around you and praying for you and you've got people that you can talk to and people that you can pray with it helps us not to give up I love this. It helps us to love like Jesus. When we're encouraging each other and we're loving, then we're loving the way Jesus wants us to love. It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about me putting aside my agenda for the greater good of the body of Christ. Amen? That's what it means to serve. It helps us to be patient and kind. When you're encouraging each other, there's not a lot of room for discouraging words. There's not a lot of room for, 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 for criticism. When we're encouraging each other, we're patient and we're kind. It helps us to have hope when things seem hopeless. Now, I've told you guys this before, and I'm going to admit something to you. You know, I've got to admit, every Monday, I think every pastor deals with this. Every pastor feels like quitting on Monday. I don't know what it is. It's just the Monday blage, you know. You just sit there in your office and you're like, man, did Sunday go well? Am I doing a good job as a pastor? So my other pastor friend Ray, we call each other and we cry on each other's shoulders and we try to encourage each other. How'd your Sunday go? How'd your Sunday go? Well, I, you, know, th- th- you know, we try to encourage each other. But here's the thing, I, and I think I've shared this with you before. I've got an encouragement file in my desk. If you sit at my desk, it's to the, it's to the left-hand side. And every once in a while, maybe twice a month, maybe every third month, when I really feel down and I feel like I'm just a failure as a pastor, or whatever, you know, you get those times. I just pull out that encouragement file and I read through some of the letters that you sent me, some of the cards and some of the emails that you sent me just, just to encourage me and, and, and thank me for, for just serving the Lord. Now, I don't do that to build up my pride because I'm nobody. I'm nothing without Christ. But I do that just to encourage myself to know that God has put a calling on my heart to serve you and to serve this church. So thank you for just encouraging letters and 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 I and I keep those. I do. You I got a whole whole drawer of letters that I just go through and it just you know what it helps me to do? It just helps me to remind myself that God is good. You know, it, because isn't it so easy to look at the negative things in your life and, and, you know, you, you, you may hear a hundred compliments and you get one negative thing and it just nose dives you. And you just feel like, oh, okay, I'm just going to give up. And then you see all these other encouraging things that are going around. And then it's just there to remind you not to give up, that God is still doing a good work, that, yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt each other. We're, we're not going to always be Christ-like in every situation. But that when we come before the Lord and we ask for forgiveness... God is there to heal us and to restore relationships. You know, I, I, just, I just appreciate that. You know, um, I, I just, I want you to know that that, that, that doesn't mean we're never open to correction. Um, do you realize that correction can also be encouragement at the same time? It's the way that we do it. You know, all of us need correction from time to time and we need to be straightened out. Time to time. How many know what I'm talking about? None of us are perfect here. We do need to be corrected. But when hurts come, make sure you do it in love. When you need to correct somebody or correct your child or something in the church, whether we have to have church discipline or something's wrong, we always do it in love. And even in that, we can be encouraging with one another because we want ourselves to grow. We don't want to overlook sin that could eventually hurt the body of Christ. So I don't walk away with this message that we just always have to be happy people and run around and just always encourage each other and then we just overlook sin and overlook discipline and overlook correction. No, even in encouragement, and as we're going to see as we go through the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas didn't see eye to eye on something. And they weren't sure, you know, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on this next missionary journey and Paul said, I ain't taking him because he bailed out on our other missionary journey. I ain't taking him. And Barnabas says, well, I am going to take him." And they had a little disagreement. But you know what? They didn't kill each other. They worked through it. That's a whole message I'm going to talk about. How do we work through disagreements without killing each other? And Paul and Barnabas did it through the spirit of encouragement. They were an example to the church body on how you work through, through conflict when you don't see eye to eye. But through that, the body of Christ was encouraged by how they worked through it. And so even when we correct, even when we have to correct one another, we can do it in love and still encourage the body so that Jesus is glorified. So that's the other side of encouragement. It's admonishment. It's correction. We need to be corrected from time to time. But let's admonish and let's correct in love. That's When I have to bring church discipline in a situation or to a, a person in the church that I feel like needs to be corrected, that's not the... That's not my gift. I'm telling you, I don't like confrontation. It's not fun, but sometimes it has to be done. And I always said, Lord, just give me a loving heart as I do this because I never want to do this out of bitterness or hate or animosity. Give me love so that we can protect the body and edify the body in Jesus' name. So let's always do it in love. So here, here's, here's the bottom line. I like what Paul says here. Look at that last scripture in 1 Thessalonians. He says, we urge you, brothers, Listen, admonish the idol, encourage the, the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. Listen to what he says. Listen to his words again, okay? Because it's easy to be patient with those that everybody gets along with. It's easy to be patient with those that see eye to eye with you, right? It's easy to be patient when everybody sees it your way, Right? That's the easy part, but watch what he says. We urge you, brothers. This is how you do it. We're, we're, we're instructing you here. We're urging you here. Admonish the idols; those that aren't doing anything, you admonish them. Get moving. Crack the whip. You know, get working for the Lord. Okay. Encourage the faint-hearted; those that feel like giving up. Help the weak; those that can't help themselves. And indeed, admonishment and encouragement. But in all those situations. Be patient with all of them. Show grace in all those situations. Don't become hard-hearted in those situations. Be patient. Use self-control. Let the mercy and grace of God rule your heart in all those situations. I'll be honest with you guys. What separates a church is usually not theological issues and doctrine issues. What separates a church is just small, tiny personality issues when we don't see eye to eye, when we don't show patience in a situation, when we don't offer forgiveness in a situation, when we're not caring to one another in a situation. That's usually what causes a lot of suffering and pain within the church. Paul nails it when he says, Be patient in every situation let's be a church that elevates ourselves to that point to where we're truly encouraging one another. You know who I mean, I know sometimes it takes some work there that you're going to have to some of you need to just come out of your comfort zone a little bit and you see something that's that someone's just doing a good job at, you just need to encourage them. And and what's what's cool about encouragement is this. So many times when I feel down, and I just don't feel good about myself or I feel like a failure. It's always at that time a letter comes or a phone call comes or somebody prays for me. And it's like, I remember one time I was just having a, it was a Monday morning, I was having a bad day, and I came in the office and there was a message on my phone. You know, there's usually three or four messages. I'm like, God, oh, do I want to answer my message right now? It's probably a problem, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, answer my message. I answer my message. And it was someone that called me that said, hey, pastor, I was just thinking about you this morning and I just want to pray for you. They prayed on the message. Lord, help Pastor. Give him a great day. Just let him know that you love them. and encourage. Know, I was like, it just changed my whole attitude, my whole day. It was just so cool. They left a prayer on the message on the phone. It was cool. It was about twenty minutes long, but it was good. It was, it was great. I appreciated it so much. It was just, it was just, it was just great. God is, God is good. So, l- l- let's be encouragers. Amen. Let's be encouraged. Let me pray for you today. As, as we just, as we uh, just ask God just to touch our hearts today. Lord, I um, I realize that none of us here are perfect. And I realize we all make mistakes. Sometimes we don't get our own way. Sometimes we just, we're just selfish, Lord, sometimes. But Lord, I thank you for the example that we see in Barnabas, That that Lord, he was an encourager, that he stood by the side of Paul when probably no one else would. Lord, God, I pray that you would just touch our hearts, that we would look for ways to build other people up. Even, Lord, when 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 it, it, it doesn't benefit us, Lord, that's when we know we're doing it for the right reasons. So, Lord, help us to be that church. Help us to continue in that. Help us to, to continue to encourage each other and, 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 Lord, thus allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives so that no one walks out of this place feeling beat up or discouraged or feeling like like they can't be used by the Lord. God, I pray that not one person feels that way. Lord, sometimes we just need to be encouraged. And I, and I was so encouraged this week at VBS. You, know, you had 71 weekers. Everybody was in their slot doing what they needed to do for the Lord. And it was such a wonderful testimony and example of a group of people working together using their gifts for the Lord for one purpose to glorify Christ to see people one to the Lord so whether it was counting coins or it was serving snacks or it was doing recreation all of it Lord was to glorify Christ and I believe that Jesus you were glorified. And help us to see that in this church today, that this isn't Barton Gerais' church, this isn't our church, this is Jesus' church. And we are here to work for you, Jesus, that your name would be glorified. So wherever you plan us, whatever ministry that you give us, Lord, God, may we always be reminded that it's all for you. And it's not about me. It's not about my fame. It's about yours, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that we would just be a church, God, that lifts one another up so that no one runs this race feeling like they're running it alone. So just do that work. And I pray for anyone here that just feels discouraged, that feels alone. God, I pray that you would encourage them, Lord. Let them know they don't have to be that way, that they don't have to feel alone, that there's a place for them, God, in this this family. And so, Lord, encourage them to take that step of faith and maybe get involved in an area of ministry. Lord, have them just have that burden and, and that faith just to take that step, God, and use them mightily for your purposes, I pray. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for the example that we have in Barnabas. And Lord, just touch our hearts now, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty, mighty, mighty name, we ask these things. Amen? Amen? All right. I want you to stand and... Uh, we're just going to sing an encouraging song, and uh, I want you to rejoice in what God is doing. Just when you sing this song, just look at the words of this song. Lord, do the miracle in my heart, and uh, I pray that it just touches you today as we just close in song of the day. Amen. Praise God.
1: Your power, it's all just good intention. Without your grace, who can find redemption? Change my heart, change my heart today. Nor loose the chains of oppression. Lord, set the captives free. Lord, fill my life with your compassion. Shine your light, shine your light, shine your light to me. Work a miracle in my heart, work a miracle in my heart, work a miracle in my heart, oh Lord, work a miracle.
0: man, God is good, isn't he? Listen, if, uh, before I let you go, if you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up front here to pray with you with anything that you're going through. Just have a wonderful day. God bless you guys. Be encouraged in the Lord. Have a great day. God bless you. Amen.